Hey, this is Vadim. You're listening to the bonus episode to episode 27. In episode 27, Ben and I talked to Yesko Lohan of Acoustics Insider about recording room acoustics, how to recognize when you may have a problem, and how to address problems. Yesko was very generous with his time. We recorded like over 100 minutes of conversation, including what's in this bonus episode. And he's also been kind enough to provide our community with a free PDF, which is kind of like a Cliff's Notes summary of much of what we talk about in the main episode. Highly recommend downloading that. You can get that PDF by going to acousticsinsider.com forward slash DIY recording guys, or you can check the show notes for the link. In this bonus episode, we cover uh, questions that we got on Facebook from our Facebook community. If you posted a question in there, it probably got answered here. And Ben and I also throw in some of our own questions, uh, much of which are more related to mixing. But if you're in the music production game, you'll still find these interesting. Ben and I really enjoy having conversations like this. Making this podcast is really a labor of love for us. And we um, we have a great time doing this with each other and learning from each other and from our guests. That said, we want to make sure that we reach as many people as we can. We always talk about on this podcast how the uh, the, the things we want to focus on first are things that are easy to do and provide the largest impact. So we want to ask you for your help today. A very easy thing you can do that has a very big impact for us is to click the link in the show notes to leave us an iTunes review. This ensures that we can reach more people, which means we can give you guys more content and possibly some freebies. It's a small thing you can do that means the world to us. Enjoy this bonus episode. You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. I did want to hit some of these questions, and we have a couple oh, yeah, options that's here. Right. I don't know. Yeah, let's hit those questions. Yeah, so uh, Yesco, we've got um, a few questions from members of the DIY guy, uh, recording guys community. Awesome. I always say that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you came up with the and, name uh, <laughs> and you always say it wrong. So. I know. <laughs> oh, it's all good. So we're going to do some rapid fire here and maybe you can rattle off some answers. Sure. First question comes from Keith Robb. Uh, and he asks, when you don't have enough money to acoustically treat your room, what are some of the best ways to dampen reverber, uh, reverberation when recording vocals specifically into a mic? Right. I mean, so the, the advantage with vocals is that it is restricted somewhat in the in the in the bass. Right. We're yeah. talking about hundred hertz upwards. Yeah. So that gives us some advantage in terms of uh, what materials we can use to give give us a a useful effect. Right. And obviously, the first one is just thick blankets. Right. Uh, again, depth is what matters with all of this. So the mm. deeper you can make it, usually the better it is. Um, and uh, but that's something very simple that you can obviously use. Yeah. So uh, you want to kind of drape that around you, uh, as as I mentioned before. Uh, the the surfaces that are closest to you and the microphone are always going to be the worst offenders. Principally, like roughly speaking, I mean, obviously there's like stuff like which direction you're facing that comes into play and like the pickup pattern of the microphone and stuff. But 
as a as a rule of thumb that generally will work for you is pick the surface that is closest to you. And then, yeah, something like a thick blanket, if you want to go further than that, maybe you can, or like maybe a thick a curtain, if you drape a very, very heavy curtain in like waves um, behind you, <clears throat> for example, or around you, that should, that should help. Um, mattresses do absorb sound. I mean, they're not perfect. They're not meant for it. But like, if you've got nothing else, you know, that's... It's worth it's worth trying. I mean, it's one of those things like like you, I highly recommend you that you experiment with sound. You know, don't be afraid to mess around with with different things and like dive in and just get, gain experience and get a feel for what 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 it does and what it doesn't do. Mm. But so yeah, mattresses, blankets, curtains, make them heavy. Great, great answer. Uh, the next answer is similar, um, but this goes into maybe microphone choice. So Cameron Davidson asks. What are some tips for recording vocals if you don't have an isolated room? How essential is it? Are there microphones you would recommend for musicians on a budget recording vocals without a vocal booth? Dynamic microphones. But I, I hope uh, you probably mentioned that previously, right? I mean, I, I see you both talking into yep. one and uh, there's a reason for it. And uh, dynamic microphones are great first uh, uh, line of defense against bad room sound, you know? And uh, generally speaking, they're also very pleasantly sounding microphones, you know, so uh, get yourself a dynamic microphone. Don't bother with uh, condenser microphones uh, for now and get started with that. Great. Okay, next question is from Shannon Rupp. Uh, So you have eight two foot by four foot acoustic panels or just a limited number. Where would you where would be the first places you would put them to be most effective? Right. So just to kind of rephrase what I said before, right? Focus on the surfaces that are closest to you uh, as a performer and uh, or the microphone, yeah, right? And remember that it's like a, a playing pool, yeah? So it's like a big 3D game of playing pool <laughs> and not every path in- is of interest to you, only the one that brings the cue ball from your mouth to the microphone, right? Love it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of the, obviously the interest, the, the important part here. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the only path and that interests you is the one that actually brings the sound back to the microphone. And wherever that reflection happens, that first bounce, that's the surface you want to focus on with your panels. Shannon also has a follow-up. If you have a limited budget, would you recommend starting with diffusion or absorption? Right. So uh, again, we covered this before, but uh, the problem is that diffusers are generally more expensive. Mm. And they also work in a more limited frequency range, right? So that makes them well, more expensive and a diff- a di- more difficult to use, right? Uh, it makes them more selective in terms of finding the right usage case for them. Yeah? So porous absorption is just much easier to use uh, and it's much cheaper. So that's what you want to start with. Another note on this question too, and... I sympathize with you, Shannon, because I want the answer to be diffusion because they look so cool. <laughs> By all means, I mean, go for it. I'm not going to stop you, you know? Like, go buy a few and then be like, fuck, it doesn't do anything, you know? And then, and then they'll sit around for the next few years and look pretty, which is why you bought them in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, so we've only got a couple more questions here. And I think we've already answered this, but I'll go ahead and ask James Cross's question. Uh, he says, this is more for mixing instead of recording. But what would you say is the most important place to start when treating a room? Uh, perhaps reworded better, 80-20 principle, what gets the biggest results first and leaves the rest to be fine-tuned later? Right. 
I mean, this is a, 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 a deep rabbit hole to potentially get into. Uh, but uh, to summarize, I mean, if you're talking about a mixing room, the, the biggest bang for your buck is always going to be to start with uh, low-end treatment, right? So uh, getting doing something about that standing wave issue or the problems that standing wave causes, standing waves cause, sorry. Um, because just like when you're mixing, if your low end's all messed up in your mix, it like the rest of the spectrum just doesn't go where it needs to, like doesn't sit where it needs to sit either. You know, you can kind of see it that way. Like the, the low end is what's going to like move things forward. Getting that, doing something to improve the situation is always going to give you the best bang for your buck because it, it's, it's going to have uh, um, uh, kind of secondary effects on everything that happens above as well. And one of the reasons being that if you're working with um, porous absorbers, so broadband full spectrum absorbers, right? Mineral wool, uh, stone wool, fiberglass, is that, as I mentioned before, they work across the entire spectrum so, and absorb some base. <laughs> so if you use them at, primarily to absorb base, they will automatically also do the rest of the spectrum for you, right? And there's a whole right. bunch of issues. Mm that you're going to have to address anyway. And so if you use that particular panel, type of panel, to st and you start by addressing low end, or you position it with that air gap, make the panel deep to address low end, you're automatically also taking care of a whole other range of effects that you probably haven't even thought about, but that are also there. Right? So that's, that's kind of 80-20. Uh, focus on low end and use porous absorption. That's great. All right, one more question. Uh, this is from Paul Perry. He said, I recently switched rooms um, to a classic, a classic box bare walled room. <laughs> what, are some, uh, basic, what are some basic suggestions for treating um, a room that looks like so that? So in other words, it's like basically the dimensions of a cube, like all, the, all three dimensions are roughly the same. Is that kind of what he's implying there, you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, so cubes are are the worst type of source <laughs> material. <laughs> you know, with that, if we're talking about that reference to bad, uh, using, mixing poor source material, yeah. the, the cube is the worst source material to work with to like improve the sound. And um, again, the reason being the standing waves because these room modes, because they all sit on top of each other. So they, they, it's not just like one or two of them, but like three, four of them might sit on top of each other and like, and really mess things up. And mm -hmm. so the, the first line of defense there and the most important part is going to be um, positioning your, your, your setup. So where you place your listening position and where you place your speakers. And you can kind of think of it like EQing your, 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 your low end. Where you sit in the room determines to some extent what balance of all those standing waves you're going to hear, right? And so by, by finding a good position in your room to sit in, you're, you can, to some extent, rebalance how these different standing waves deliver energy to your ear. And uh, because the situation is so bad in terms of standing waves in a small cubed room, you really, 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 really want to sit in the right location because otherwise it's just going to be a nightmare. It's probably going to be a nightmare even if you sit in the, the least bad like spot. But mm. um, that's what you want to start with because you're going to have no chance in hell if you sit in the wrong spot in a cute room. Like, absolutely none. And uh, that might mean sitting fairly close to the wall. 
which is one of the big, big mm. compromises um, in a cubed room. Yeah, because to get out of that worst spot of standing waves, your only option might be to get pretty close to the wall, which ergo means your speakers are going to be close to the wall, which means everything is going to be super compact and super small. Yeah, It's functional. It's possible to get it to a functional state, but forget about like super huge sweet spot and huge speakers and like, you know, putting that huge desk in there, it's not going to happen. I mean, it can happen, but you're not going to hear a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, you're going to really put the, you're going to have to put the the focus and the, uh, your, what's the word? Uh, yeah, your focus, I guess, on, uh, on, on rebalancing the sound with pr- proper positioning. Because that's mm. like that's the biggest lever that you have, yeah. Then you do treatment, and then you do EQ, and all those things do their thing. But uh, but unless you get that positioning right at the beginning, you're gonna be in trouble in a small room, in a cubed room. You're choosing a compromise there, basically, on what you're willing to live with by moving your position. Right. Different frequencies are gonna be amplified and and cut exactly different ranges. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to throw in one of my own bonus questions here because it's my po- podcast and I can be, yeah. <laughs> and I can be selfish. Yes, exactly. So I watched one of your great videos that you have on your YouTube channel. It's very, very kind how you phrase that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> one of uh, your great videos. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Um, so the question you were addressing in the video was, can I have too much bass trapping? Right. And oh yeah, we were arguing about you. this. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, what conclusion did you come to? I be- well, I watched the video also, so I, I sided with Yesco. I said, uh, <laughs> I said no. I used your open field example, but anyway, go go on. <laughs> yeah, so I I believe you, Yesco. But my follow up question to this is, uh, I guess it's just I want to see if I have the right thinking about the way acoustics are are working in my room. Right. I'm guessing that. Um, when you're using a broadband absorber yeah. or a bass trap, yeah. they're a little bit less efficient at absorbing lower frequencies than they are at absorbing higher frequencies. So I'm just wondering if, as you're adding more and more bass traps, you're more effectively dampening your high end in ratio to your low end. Yeah. So mm-hmm. could you have an unbalancing effect where you're actually decreasing the amount of high end that you're hearing yeah. in relation to the low end. Yeah. Yes, except that it's going to be even worse if you use thinner panels, right? Mm. So that's that's True. that's kind of the 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 crux of the thing here, right? Yeah, there's it's not ideal. Sure. Of course it's not ideal, but it's 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 the best we've got. Mm. Right? And um what I found is that it's not like you put it's not like that with every panel and this is this is this is the weird thing, right? Because that's what the maths would suggest. But with with every panel you put in your small room, it 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 reduces the reverb time by yay amount with every new panel. Like so, it just increases step by step by step by step. But what I found is that that doesn't really work that way. So what actually happens is that the reverb time, the more you do, the reverb time flattens out. It just gets it gets shorter and shorter overall, like even the high end. But it also just gets flatter and flatter and flatter. And, mm. um, and so uh, my explanation for that is that, or one way to maybe imagine why that might be is because the more panels you put in the room, or let's say the first panels you put in the room, 
they have a lot of energy to work with as it's bouncing around. But now that energy is already absorbed by those first few panels. Okay. And so the next few panels that you put in the room, they already have a little less sort of to work with. Right? And and yeah. so on and so forth. It's this is a very people are not gonna like me for saying it like that, explaining it like that, but that's that's kind of one way to think about it, right? Mm -hmm. And so um those first few panels that you put in your room are also going to always have the biggest impact on how you perceive the room. As you do more and more with porous absorbers, the, 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 how much you can tell the difference is going to decrease. Mm. Right. And uh, yeah. So what I found is that um, you don't, you, you do end up with very short reverb times overall but they get they get much more balanced overall they just end up being much flatter let's say right and so the the problem is uh as you, and as you rightly uh assume the problem is an in unbalanced reverb time that is or that is one one issue that makes a room sound bad mm. particularly it makes a room sound dead in my my experience when you don't have control in the low end and your high end is really short with like really has really short decays um, and so as you end up with a, a flatter reverb time that is very short but it's flat it doesn't necessarily sound dead yes it sounds dry but dry and is isn't as uncomfortable as dead you know it doesn't sound muffled it just sounds dry <laughs> mm. you know yeah and uh and so that's kind of where you get to as you do more and more treatment and you and you put more and more of these broadband pores absorbers in. I mean that's why the that's what the, the the diffuser front, that simple diffuser that I told you about that you can see in my rooms and, and that you can find on my website. It's to some extent it helps with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it it alleviates a little bit that that reduction, that that's very strong reduction in the high end, you know? Mm, yeah. So it's 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 that combination, you know? Well, thanks. That's cool. a great answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. Uh, speak a little bit, just briefly, about an anechoic. You have a really good video on anechoic chambers, and you know, from both a mixing and a recording standpoint, why would we? So I'm listening to this. I'm saying this is awesome. Now I'm going to go online. I'm going to buy 600 square feet of porous media. I'm going to cover my entire room with it. I'm going to cover my floor with it. Do I want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, Sure, if you want really clean recordings and hate <laughs> your room at the same time, absolutely go for it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, there's, there's the, the thing with, with treating rooms is that what you're balancing, you're always balancing is the, the, um, the sound as it appears in the, in the, in the, in the microphone or the recording and what the room feels like on the other hand. I mean, this applies more to mixing rooms as well. In that sense, it's, it's about like how far can you um, suppress the room's effect on what you're hearing from the speakers while still being like enjoying being in the room. Yeah. So those are two mm. different requirements. Mm. Right. Yeah. Ideally, to get a super clean sound from your speakers or a super clean recording, sure, go into an anechoic chamber. Yeah. It's going to be hopefully just direct sound it's going to be super clean it's going to give you all the options if you then pick the right microphone and do the whole placement thing properly distance wise and like in relation to where you where the what the instrument looks like and all that you're going to get a, a superb signal yeah that you can then take in any direction you want but it's going to be horrible being in there 
right? And so it's mm. uh, it's you get that you get these two different requirements from a room uh, that don't fully overlap, right? And so so we kind of have to say how uh, how do we to to what extent are we going to reduce the impact of the room on what we're doing in that room on what we're recording on the sound that we're producing and recording, and to what to what extent or to, but but like when do we stop? So right. that it's it 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 still gives the semblance of a, of, of a room to our our poor subjective brains and hearts, you know. Um, so so there's a kind of a balancing act happening there. Very cool. Yeah. So I I just have two more for you. One is I got to ask you about the bass trap diffusers behind you in the corners there, and talk a little sure. bit about just uh, the the philosophy. I know that might more be a, a, applicable for a mixing room, but still uh, would like to. Get your take on it yeah sure i mean um ultimately the thing this that's i mean it and it relates it segues perfectly to what i was from what i was just saying about balancing getting that balancing act between removing the room and uh suppressing the room's effect uh, on the speakers and maintaining some sort of 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 semblance of a room sound for for the user so ultimately it turns out like the 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 kind of the best approach or the most sane approach the most guaranteed approach to reducing a room's impact is to try and just remove its effect completely yeah this applies both to to mixing rooms and small small mixing rooms and small recording rooms right like if we want ultimate flexibility the best we can do or the the uh, a a no-brainer approach is to always is to just remove the room because it's just going to improve the quality of the, the the actual signal we're getting from the speakers or picking up with our microphones from the performer. But we still want some some energy bouncing around to give us a sense of the space. And so <clears throat> I was looking as I was as I was kind of playing with this in my mind a few years back uh, how to do that. Um, I came across the work by a Serbian, I believe, acoustician called. Um, I think his name is Bogic Petrovic. Uh, he runs a, a small acoustic design company. Unfortunately, he passed away actually not too long ago. Uh, but he, he, he ran a small acoustic studio design company called My Room. And he had a very interesting, quite novel approach to uh, treating small record, uh, mixing rooms. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that um, one, what, like one kind of path he put me on was... How can you fit a, a simple type of diffuser on top of the absorption? Right. So we have our six to eight inch deep absorber panel, right? So our like big best bang for our buck uh, absorber panel. So how do we now reintroduce some potential for that surface to reflect energy back, but scattered, but diffused, uh, so that it doesn't cause the same effects that normal reflections do? And um, so, yeah, and so with his, <clears throat> with his designs and his approach, I came across these very simple type of diffusers, binary amplitude diffusers, um, which, uh, which are a great compromise here because they're, they're not the greatest diffusers in the world, um, but they are good enough. Uh, they, do, they do break up sound um, and they work in a, in, a, in a part of the spectrum that is easy, easily manageable in small rooms. Right. One of the problems with normal diffusers is that they work broadband enough. I said at the very beginning of the podcast that they work quite narrow. Right. I said that, but they work still work broad enough 
that they reach into frequencies where we need, because of this whole wavelength thing that I was talking about before, we need distance to the actual diffuser to, to, to properly develop its diffusion, let's say. And this is wavelength dependent. So the lower this thing works in frequency, the more distance you need from it in order for it to, to perform its job. And so that normal diffusers aren't, aren't perfectly suited for small rooms because they diffuse in a frequency region where you're often forced to be inside a distance to that device that you don't want to be in. And so these kind of this is a much simpler type of diffusion that works higher up in the spectrum. So we can we can we can use it in small rooms. Um, it does the job of keeping a, a a sense of the space or giving us a sense of the space. Um, um, but at the same time, the flexibility and the, also the 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 size, just physical size uh, that that we can work with. You know, so uh, so that's that how that came about. So it's a it's kind of a, a combined absorber diffuser, and if you use it right, works as a base absorber. And then on top of that, broad spectrum, obviously. But on top of that, it actually diffuses, reflects back, and diffuses part of the spectrum between roughly three kilohertz and seven kilohertz um, to give us a, give us hmm. a sense of liveliness, uh, give us a sense of space. Yeah, and. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a must-have, but it's definitely a nice-to-have, and it's simple enough to do. People who listen to this podcast will know that Ben and I have reasonably well-treated mixing rooms, but we've also recently fallen under the spell of the Sonarworks reference for right. software. So I did want right. to get your thoughts on that. What is the role of corrective room EQ software, let's say for a mixing room, obviously? Uh, what's the role of that in a, in a comprehensive strategy? Um, I think in in our small room scenarios, in particular rooms that were never meant, were never built for that purpose, um, uh, Sonarworks or EQ, generally speaker equalization has its place. Has its place first of all, mm. and uh, it's right at the end of the chain. And the reason is that at least Sonarworks and most of the like not super expensive products out there, although Dirac just released something new, which is quite interesting, which I can mention in a second. But um, basically what they do is they fix, or they, 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 not they fix, they change, they adapt, they compensate, they change the frequency response. They only mm. work on that frequency balance part of the, the whole picture. They don't do anything in terms of time. They don't do anything in terms of reducing reverb times, right? Mm. Um, so they can't help us with that. They won't reduce the reverb time. They won't reduce how much these standing waves ring out in time. A great point. They might mm. change how much of a boost you're going to hear or how much of a cut you're going to hear at the mm. listening position, but they're not going to change that time aspect. And so actually, uh, it's, uh, that, that is also kind of its advantage because uh, for us, DIY people, because if we're working in a room, as I said, that was never meant for, for that purpose, usually what we're starting with is a room that is is poorly shaped, okay? We're talking dimensions, we're talking ratios of dimensions here. And the ratios of the different dimensions are, to a large extent, what is going to determine those standing waves that mm -hmm. I was talking about before, which in turn determine the balance in the low end 
the, the spectrum variation that we get in the low end. And with a poor set of dimensions, we're going to get a very unbalanced low end, uh, a very crooked low end. Right? <laughs> that kind of improves as you start going into certain ratios of dimensions where you can kind of even that out a little bit. But since we can't, we don't have that option. We don't have. We were, we're, we're It's like kind of like in a in a in a recording and mixing mixing scenario. We're stuck with poor source material, <laughs> right? right. Mm-hmm. And and so, but the great thing is that we have EQ to compensate for that to some extent. We can uh, compensate for our crooked frequency response by using EQ, mm. but it only does that part. It doesn't do anything apart at any part of the reverb game, right? Yeah, and on top of things, we want to re- we want to minimize how much it has to work that EQ, right? Because you you're, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, like you the, the main thing you lose, especially if you boost with an EQ into a speaker, is headroom, aka volume, right? So you're not going to be able mm. to turn the speaker up as loud if you're boosting heavily with an EQ on the speaker side. Right. So we want to minimize the, the the amount we use that EQ, and that's where the treatment comes in, right? Because the acoustic treatment is the only part that, first of all, works on the time aspect. It's going to actually reduce reverb time. It's going to damp standing waves. And the interesting thing is that frequency response, or how flat it is, is a consequence of how well the the room is controlled in time. So basically, the more you suck up the reverb, the more you stop those reflections, the more you damp those standing waves, yeah. the flatter your frequency response becomes. That's a great explanation. We're never going to get fully there. It's very hard to actually get fully there. And full, by, by the way, just so you have a metric, by fully there, I mean plus minus 5 dB. Yeah, plus minus three dB hmm. is literally impossible with a, a proper measurement. But hmm. plus minus five dB, plus minus six dB is possible. But this is high end stuff, super high end stuff in many cases. Yeah, so just with treatment, just by using treatment. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so what we end up doing is we go into our bad source material room. We do the best we can with treatment, which gets us closer and closer and closer to that flat frequency response. And, of course, it takes care of the time aspect to a large extent. And then we can touch it up with Sonarworks. And we can take the frequency response, that last step, but it only has to work just just enough to compensate that last bit. Yeah. So EQ is always kind of the last step in the chain. And I, to be honest, it's so helpful that I always recommend... You use it. You always kind of want to run it at the end of any big treatment work that you do, right? So if you change something substantially in your room, run Sonoworks again. You know, get back to that bench line, a benchmark, that that bench bench line, is that even a word? (laughs) A benchmark. (laughs) Um, Get back to that benchmark in terms of frequency balance that you're used to. That's because that's where the real advantage lies with with uh with something like with with EQing your speakers is that it, it that you because your brain as you're mixing as you're working with your speakers gets used to that particular frequency balance you'll kind of always gravitate back towards that right and and so having a reference frequency response 
to always come back to whenever you make changes to your room or go to another room is uh, it helps a lot in terms of balancing your mixes, right? Because obviously when you're balancing your mixes, the, the balance of what is coming out of your speakers is kind of what you're working on, what you're working with, you know? And if you have a, a way of always coming back to a certain reference frequency response, even if it's not perfectly the same, but generally speaking, overall, it's sort of the same. Uh, that's uh, that's a, a very useful tool. And so you can use that as you grow your studio, as your skills improve up to the point where maybe at some point you can build yourself a studio where you don't need that anymore. Mm. Right? Mm. But until that point, it's a very useful tool. Awesome. That's a great explanation. Well said. Yeah. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email vk at calmfrogrecording.com and you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email ben at dreamloudstudio.com and finally join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording just search for DIY recording guys on Facebook thank you so much for listening and for your continued support See you next week.